This is the Luke 10-2 podcast, a conversation about preaching, planting, and leading with Noah Oldham. On today's episode, Noah will share nine strategies for preaching in a church planting context. If you're a preacher looking to build a culture of multiplication in your church, this episode is for you. Let's get started. All right, Noah, today we're going to talk about preaching in a church planting context, and you've got some strategies for us. I do. I have uh, I've sat down and put together nine strategies for preaching in a church planting context. And what I've done is I've broken these down into three categories. I believe that in every church planting context, if you want to be a church plant that, that plants to plant, plant more, to, be, to make disciples who make more disciples, and to be, have multiplying in your DNA as God desires, I believe there's three categories. One, you've got to preach to build the church. Mm-hmm. You've got to preach to grow the church. And you've got to preach to multiply the church. Building, growing, and multiply. All three aspects of this are needed for the full breadth of the church plant. Some of that you could consider uh, the early stages or before the church is formed, mm-hmm. as it's getting started and growing, and then when it needs to get to that place where it starts a new life cycle and it sends out. And okay. so um, let, let's just start with building the church. Um, these are things that a planter has to do with the very, very beginning. Uh, I think if we negate uh, any one of these three, that we really miss out on seeing that church get to the place where it can actually grow. It has a faulty foundation. So number one, the first strategy is preaching to evangelize. I believe that um, we really do desire to plant churches to reach the lost. And if we do, we've got to preach evangelistic sermons. Mm -hmm. You may feel like, well, I don't have any lost people here this week or most weeks. I've heard it said again and again. You probably have to. The listeners probably have heard it a million times. You have to preach to who you want there. So if you want lost people to show up, you got to preach to lost people so saved people know that they can invite their lost friends. If you want men to show up, you got to preach sermons to men. So wives go home and say, you'd really like this guy. He sounds like a guy that you would listen to. And so preach to evangelize. Preach gospel-drenched sermons where people can respond to the gospel. Not just using insider language. This is all about us getting saved. It's really easy to identify that in your own preaching or the preaching of others when you realize you get to the end of a sermon and there's no application at all for lost people. It's just all for the saved. It's all for the family of God. Like, oh man, we're not preaching evangelistically. And we need to, especially at the beginning, we need to preach evangelistically. Number two, you have to preach to cast vision. Um, We first started at August Gate back in Soulard in 2009. I decided I was going to preach the gospel of John from the beginning. And I wanted to preach a gospel. Uh, I wanted uh, the full breadth of God's word. I want to start with Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. And I got a, a couple weeks into John and realized, holy cow, there is so much groundwork that this young, fledgling group of people need to hear about. What is the church? What's the mission of the church? People would show up for the first time. And not only were they brand new to our small group of people, they were brand new to church. Mm-hmm. And so... I put pause on the Gospel of John. I said we'd return to it, and it's 10 years later. We might someday. <laughs> We've yet to get I'm back sure to you John. Will. We've done a couple other Gospels. That counts. <laughs> but what we did is we, we started in Acts and went to here's where the church is. And then we went into the teachings of Jesus, and here's what Jesus has called us to do. So before we got into the real depth, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and all this 
battling against Gnosticism that John was doing with his writing in the, mm-hmm. you know, the 90s AD, we went back and just said, here's the words of Jesus. Here's what it means to, to know and love and follow him. Here's what it means to begin and grow as a disciple of Jesus. And so we had to cast vision. So a lot of your sermons early on are sermons to build the church. It's casting vision. Here's who we are. Here's what we're going to be about. Here's what we're not going to be about. Here's what the vision is. Here's the intended picture of the future for our church. And here's the things that will kill that vision. Yeah. Those have got to be infused over and over again at the beginning. And then thirdly, uh, the third part of preaching to build the culture and third strategy is preaching to build gospel partnerships. You got to preach to build gospel partnerships. And so you're going to have people visit your church early on from other churches. You're going to go preach at other churches and you're going to preach to build gospel partnership. Now, when you do that, there's specific strategy. You got to preach the kingdom. You got to preach something larger than just your church. Mm-hmm. You got to preach something bigger than just your neighborhood or your niche or your methodology. If you come into an older established church that's going to give you money, you hope is going to give you money, and you come out swinging how missional community is the only way to do it, well, you just lost a partner because they do Sunday school and they're always going to do Sunday school, and they have money they want to give the missions because of Sunday school, and you just told them the Sunday school is bad, yeah. and so. You got to be wise about that. You got to preach to evangelize, preach to cast vision, and preach to build gospel partnerships. And all three of these things, building the church, they boil down to one thing. We've talked about this before on the podcast. It's the ability to cast a compelling vision. It all comes down to that evangelism, building partnerships, and the work of of casting vision to your church. It all comes down to the same gift: is giving picture people a picture of where you're going and why they want to be a part of it. Lost people. They're compelled by the gospel. It's an offense. It, it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. It sounds like foolishness, but something about it is just too good to be true. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, I'll check this out. Yeah. To leave an established church where there's programs for all your family members and there's, there's stability, to leave and come be a part of something that may or may not be there in a few months, that's silliness. It sounds like foolishness, but there's something about it that's compelling. It's the right vision. Yeah. And then when you're coming and checking things out and you're a part of this new work to, to not want to jump ship and head back to the mothership six months in, it takes compelling vision. So you got to preach first, I believe, in the, plan, in the church planning context. you got to preach to build the church. Um, so let's talk about, real quick, the second one of those, yeah, the vision piece. Um, does that mean that you're always doing a vision series in the early days? Or are you finding out, are you finding ways as a preacher to weave... vision, culture, that kind of thing into whatever text you happen to be preaching about. Yeah, I think think you can do both. Okay. Um, I think you can do a vision series. I'd say keep it short because I think topical sermons, they're okay. The very first gospel sermon was a topical sermon by Peter. Mm -hmm. So all these young guys were like, exposition only. Well, you just... You just told Peter he was a bad preacher. Um, he pulls from all kinds of texts, and even some of us might think he took things out of context. Um, but it was inspired, and so. Um, but you, you've got topical sermons, but I think they need to be those series need to be shorter. I would encourage somebody to use the Word of God to preach through a book of the Bible and to weave vision in that. Uh, for instance, every time we start a new gathering, we go through the Book of Jonah. I think Jonah is one of the best places to to cast a compelling vision to preach God's word because it's all about God sending a missionary to a city that he loves. It's full of people that don't love him. Mm. And God says, I'm willing to send my people, make my people uncomfortable to go after these lost people. What's really cool is over and over again in the story, the lost people show up God's people. The pagan sailors, 
the people of Nineveh, they repent quickly. They, they repent often, and they're having to wake up Jonah, and he's having to go pout outside the city. And so it's a good rebuke for us in our comfort, mm-hmm. and it's a good call to mission. So the book of Jonah is just one of many examples yeah. to use. The book of Acts is great for that because it's just the church. Yeah. Here's how the church was formed, and you can weave the specific vision God's given your church into those series really well. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the second aspect, not only preaching to build the church, you got to preach to grow the church. So as the church is is getting established, it's past those early days, early months, you have to continue to preach to grow this church and make it healthy. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says to go and make disciples by baptizing them, bringing them into a new relationship, and then teaching them to obey all I've commanded. That does not happen in the very first year of a church plant. That happens year after year after year as you continue to preach the full breadth of God's word and call people to obey God in every area of life. So uh, again, I have three strategies within this category. First is number four overall, preaching to teach Christ. So if you're gonna grow the church, you need to, you need to preach in order to teach Christ, both his person and his work. And so this is the, the very popular strategy that we see out there and it needs to be popular it's preach any text and make a beeline to the cross preach an old testament preach a new testament preach any genre you want expositional or topical and get to jesus as quickly as possible make sure that people see christ in the text they see their need for christ like jesus explains to us in the road to emmaus that the entire old testament's about him well i don't see jesus in a lot of those texts he's like it's about me. It's pointing to your need for me. And then the New Testament, which is then just all about Jesus. And so uh, preach to teach Christ. Find, make sure that you're asking the question every time you preach a sermon, how can I show these people how good and beautiful and worthy Jesus is, what he's accomplished on their behalf? Uh, strategy number five, preaching to grow the church, is preaching to teach the scriptures. And so more than just Jesus, his person and work, but even broader than that, the meta narrative of scripture. Preach to teach his story. What I've noticed about the generation that I'm a part of and younger, those in their 30s and under, is many people did not grow up in Sunday school or church their whole life and they don't understand the meta narrative of scripture. They don't know where Second Kings fits into the chronology of scripture. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that some of the books later in the Old Testament, some of the prophets are actually much earlier than some of the history books, even though the history books are put in there much earlier. And so helping people to understand the meta narrative, walking through that in the New Testament especially. You got the book of Acts is kind of like the skeleton, the spine, and then all these books, these letters that come off of it. People, uh, they grow with that and they learn the story of God and they see how they fit into it. And then number six, the last, um, strategy for preaching to grow the church is preaching to teach disciples. And so not only are you teaching Christ, his person and work, not only are you teaching the meta narrative, but now you're preaching to teach disciples. You're saying, okay, what does obedience look like with this? And so you, you go to um, some of the, the commands of God in the Old Testament that carry over to the New Testament because they're not civil laws, they're not ceremonial laws, they're moral laws. Mm-hmm. What does this look like in a modern context? What does it look like to obey Jesus with your finances? You know, you don't have to be a topical preacher to talk about felt needs. Yeah. Felt needs are all throughout Scripture. Jesus repeats them over and over again. The apostles repeat them over and over again because God knows that we needed to hear them over and over again. And as we preach through a book of the Bible, we're going to hit a great number of them. And as we do, we are preaching to teach disciples. So we don't want to gloss over it. We don't want to let people off the hook. We want to preach in such a way they hear it, and then we call them to a response. So they know what to do. What are you going to do about that? Yeah. So 
this lately, I, somebody said even today, man, you've been on this short sermon game lately. I've preached sermons that are 30 minutes or less, which I don't know in the history. You're getting soft. The history of my preaching, I'm getting soft. The history of my preaching, it's 45 to 50 minutes uh, on average. But there's been some really quick, hard-hitting ones that, to be honest, the number of notes are the exact same number of pages. But they're more hard-hitting and they're quicker. And what I'm doing is I'm getting to the end and I'm calling for a response. So what do you think God wants you to do? And I'm giving space and time for people to write out their answers, to hear from God and write out what the Holy Spirit's saying to them. Because I'm under conviction right now that people need to be given permission to be Christians. They need to hear the Word of God and then ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do about it? Because if they walk away saying, that was a great sermon, or they remember what Noah said, but they don't remember what the Holy Spirit said, I, I think that's a failure. In the long run, that's a failure. And so, preaching to teach disciples. A couple questions about that category. Um, so the the preaching, especially number two, um, the meta narrative, that can feel very heady. Whereas the third one, teaching for discipleship, um, can that very much is a heart cuts to the heart. How do you um, do each of those well in a sermon? Does that make sense? Yeah. So with the meta narrative, without spending ten minutes walking through, you know, a long context of how, you know, if you're preaching in the Gospel of John, without walking through for 10 minutes, you know, every single aspect of the story of the Old Testament so that now we arrive chronologically yeah. here in John chapter four at the woman yeah. at the well, like, how do you do that effectively um, in a sermon? Well, number one, I think everybody's gotta get better at telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, I tell guys all the time in a preaching lab is, let me think about it. You long to be like that grandpa who could sit down and tell a story. You may have heard it 20 times, but you want to hear it again because grandpa's telling it and he tells it so well. I think we've got, we've got to recapture the lost art of storytelling and we need to get away from making everything academic. Yeah. I love that in this generation there's a longing and a hunger for deep theological truth. I have it as well. I long for it. I want to read it. I want to study it. I geek out over it with my seminary buddies. You know, I, I love that. But in the midst of that, we can't miss the fact that, like you just said, it's not just head level, it's heart level as well. we got to be gripped by it. And that doesn't often happen by reading long theological treatises in books, uh, out of books, and call it a sermon. But it sounds like a running commentary. we got to get better at telling story. Okay. So I, I'm going to talk a little bit later about some of the strategies of how to do this, okay. uh, how to make this possible. But I think... Just real quick right there, I think the answer is getting better at telling stories. And as we do that, and and we really script it out, I'm a big fan of a manuscript. Mm -hmm. Every word, you're writing out what you're going to say, so you know how long it's going to take. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, so, um, and then the next category, so you have preaching to to build the church, preaching to grow the church, and then finally preaching to multiply the church. Um, I'm convinced and convicted that, man, we've got to preach to multiply. Most of our churches are not in the multiplication game. Most churches are not involved in church planting. I think somewhere around 4% of Southern Baptist Convention churches are involved in church planting at some level, and that includes prayer. Wow. 4%. 4%. Wow. 4%. So um, because of that, I believe we got to really emphasize um, preaching to multiply, and I think it starts at the top. You can have a, a missions pastor or a youth pastor that really cares about multiplying, but if it doesn't start at the top, it doesn't start at that pulpit, it ain't going to happen. 
So I think we start there. That's how we build that culture. So three, again, three strategies within this category. Number seven overall is preaching to inspire and call out leaders. I think we got to do this in the context of a church plant. People, they come and they come to a church plant and they see a lot of people working really hard. They see a church planter who's entrepreneurial. They see people who've taken a risk to be part of the core team and they step in as the church has grown and the church has been built and they're like, man, this is awesome. I want to be a part of this. I'm growing here like never before. And probably they're not thinking that I need to become a planter myself or I need to be a part of a team. I need to answer the call that others have answered before me to make this possible. And so you have to preach to inspire people. That God may be calling you. He may have brought you here for this very reason. We've got to inspire people, not just uh, uh, to raise them up for another ministry within our church, but raise them up for the call that God has for their life. So inspire to call out leaders. And the next, number eight, is preaching to train other preachers and leaders. So preaching to train means preaching in such a way that people learn how you dissect Scripture. They learn how to study the text by listening to you. A guy can be a really great preacher and if he finds, if by, because he finds all these nuggets that no one else can find. But if a dude, that's his shtick and that's all he ever does, that is not going to help people in the long run. Our job is to help preach in such a way to help people learn how to feed themselves. So throughout the week, they can read the text and they know how to understand it. Yeah. But if they need me to always feed them, it's like scripture says over and over again, you should be graduating, but you still need milk. You should be on solid food now. You should be feeding yourself like a toddler, but you're still getting the bottle. And we need to preach in such a way that other preachers are trained and other leaders are trained. They can see it and they can grow from it. And then lastly, we need to preach to send. We need to inspire and cast vision from the pulpit and we need to preach to send. Um, I, I believe that uh, the church in Antioch in Acts 13, uh, it says they were praying and they were fasting and the Holy Spirit spoke and placed their hands upon Paul and Barnabas and they sent them out. I believe there was a sermon that went along with that. I believe that that every time Paul sent guys out, I think at their last church service, he probably preached a compelling sermon. Even if it was just one-on-one, he preached that sermon to them. And they went. Because we see over and over again in Scripture the example of the Word of God moving us, of seeing it, hearing it, praying it, and being moved by it. So we have to preach to send. If you never tell people in your church there's a chance they can be sent out, they'll never believe you when it comes time to send. And I've sat down with a number of pastors across the table and they're all for sending. They're just like, I just don't think my people will be for it. And you start digging a little bit and you realize it's because they've never preached on it. They've never called, their, they've never inspired, they've never trained, and they've never preached to send. And I think if we want to do it, we've got to do the hard work uh, of making that happen. So those are, are the nine strategies what are some of the techniques that you've got yeah. to help us do those things yeah so i've got i got three tools i believe for accomplishing these strategies number one is combining these strategies in a sermon so you have nine of them i i think you try to try to use two to three to four of them every time you preach so you got a list like this in front of you mm-hmm. i think you should always preach christ in every text so you're always highlighting the finished work of jesus the person work of christ and then you're saying how can i do a couple of other things and what I've been doing a lot lately is in one of our gatherings, we have a lot of teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's just a growing population. And man, I used to be a youth pastor, and maybe that's part of it, but dude, I've been so fired up lately about preaching to teenagers. Just looking at them in the eyes and saying, what if right now, you didn't wait till you were your parents' age, but you got on fire for the Lord right now and began to give your life to Him now. That high school is about the purposes of God, not your own experience. And I've had a lot of parents come to me and say, like, my kids are listening. And they're pumped. 
We've had great conversations. And so awesome. combine those strategies, raise up leaders. They don't have to be the 40, 50 year old person with the, you know, the disposable income. It could be your young adults. It's probably more likely gonna be your young adults. I heard someone say a long time ago that every historic revival in the history of the church was led by young people. And you start thinking through revivals and they were led by young people. People that didn't have a lot of things tying them down. The apostle Paul said, I wish everybody was like me. He wasn't quite as young then, but he was single. So he was, he was more like a young adult where mm-hmm. he didn't have all these encumberments of married life and family life. He could go and he could do things that were great for the Lord. And I think that young adults, man, college students, young adults, they're still the answer to revival. So we gotta, we gotta preach to re- reach them and, and to raise them up. So combining strategies. Uh, number two is preaching labs. I think if you want to plant more churches, you got to create more preachers. And often God has sent a pastor to seminary, a leader to seminary, not just for their own benefit, for the benefit of all those they will lead. And being a planter here in the city, I've been with a lot of dudes who have a lot of raw talent that don't, didn't have the opportunity, that didn't have the privilege that I did to get to go to seminary. I mean, for crying out loud, Nate, somebody in my life who barely knew me but knew my in-laws found out I was planning a church. And listen to this. They just said, well, if you want to go to seminary, we'll pay for it. And they did. Well, not everybody has that kind of privilege, Mm -hmm. but I did. And so I see it as responsibility when I have guys that haven't had that opportunity that I can pour out into them. Now, I didn't take any preaching classes for my MDiv, so uh, good luck there, right? (laughs) But I do a preaching lab all the time. And when I do that, um, I, I want to I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm bringing guys into that who may be any place in the process. They may be 10 years from ever being a, a steady preacher, but bring them in. Get the hunger built. And so in your preaching labs, um, you know, what you're, you're going to be able to, to, to help people do is learn how to, how to choose texts. Learn how to, um, how, how to grab the Bible and, and, and extrapolate it to see what God is saying to, to, the, to the church, what he wants to say now. Choose a book of the Bible, choose text and do that. Um, you're also gonna be able to choose leaders in, in that. You're gonna have a number of guys in front of you and say, okay, this guy's ready. This guy needs some more development. And so choosing is a big part of that preaching lab. And so I tell guys, um, you wanna accomplish the work of choosing, choosing leaders that can eventually choose text to preach, then you're gonna have to choose a time in your schedule to make that possible. So guys have got to make it a priority. Second is, I believe preaching labs are best done in cohort form. So we, we learn well in community. So get three or four guys together. If you have eight guys, put them in two cohorts. You have 12, put them in three. And let them learn together. Let them learn from one another. Let it be a group think opportunity. You can multiply your own efforts by using cohorts. You can give, you can do a week uh, where they're with you, and then a month later they're they're with one another and they're practicing things that they've learned. Um, and then finally, uh, the third tool for accomplishing these strategies is inviting network guys into your church. So, I planted August Gate ten years ago. And by God's grace, we're still multiplying and still reproducing and still in the church planning game. But there's something different about hearing me preach than somebody who just just planted a year ago. He comes in and he's going to be using a lot of these strategies that are new and fresh and relevant because he's doing these exact things right now. So if you want to accomplish that in your church, yet you're not a church planter, you didn't plant your church, but you want to be a church, have a church planting context where you're going to multiply out of your church, bring in guys in your network, bring in church planters, give them the pulpit, turn them loose, apologize after they're gone if you have to for some of the things they did or said. You know, sometimes you got to do that. Um, but bring them in and see them light a fire in people's hearts 
as they hear vision for multiplication and disciple making um, through church planning. Thanks for listening to the Luke 10.2 podcast. For more information about the SEND network in St. Louis, visit sendstl.com.